0: know like the Star Wars meme for werewolf stuff, right? For werewolf stuff, right?
1: I literally said out loud, I die! The
2: loves the slow-mo.
1: I want to be a werewolf that flies.
3: (laughs) It ain't weird yet. We're getting there.
0: Mediocre alpha at best.
3: Mediocre.
2: Just being able to find so much joy in Teen Wolf Welcome to Return to Beacon Hills, a Teen Wolf Free Watch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Calissa Mollis, and I'm joined by Kate Colvin
3: and Will Wallace.
2: Every week, we'll be watching and talking about the hit MTV series one episode at a time. And this week, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 9, The Girl Who Knew Too Much. If you're watching Teen Wolf for the first time and you're worried about spoilers, have no fear. This podcast is broken up in two sections, Alpha and Beta. The beta section is for first-timers who are just now finding this awesome series and don't want to be spoiled about what's to come. The second section, Alpha, is where we go full spoilers and talk about not just the current episode, but the entire Teen Wolf series, as well as its place in the fandom. In the show notes of your podcast app of choice, you'll find time codes for the Alpha and Beta sections. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon at RTBH Podcast. There, our Wolfie patrons will gain access to awesome exclusives like early access to episodes full moon amas the beacon hills movie club where we watch and provide commentary for a movie starring the amazing cast of teen wolf and featuring the work of our talented crew as well as guest video interviews in a monthly watch party so head on over to patreon.com rtvh podcast and join the pack Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast and Tumblr and TikTok at Return to Beacon Hills. If you'd like to ask us questions or offer suggestions for future topics to discuss, you can email us at returntobeaconhills@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
3: This week's episode is titled The Girl Who Knew Too Much. It was written by Jeff Davis and directed by Tim Andrew. In the episode, the Durock's gruesome sacrifices continue with a sheriff's deputy. Scott and Stiles learn about Ethan and Aiden's past, leading Scott to question Morrell. Cora tries to avenge Boyd's death, but a mysterious illness derails her plans. Allison and Isaac use Chris's notes to track the killer. Derek comes back to see Jennifer, who plans a memorial recital at the high school that goes awry. Stiles finally tells his dad the truth. Unfortunately, Stilinski doesn't believe him, so he's unprepared when he crosses paths with the supernatural side of Beacon Hills. Lydia comes face-to-face with the Dirac and learns about her supernatural powers.
0: Our favorite quote from this episode is, unsurprisingly, from Stiles. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to break off an extra large branch of mountain ash, wrap it in wolfsbane, roll it in mistletoe, and shove it up your freaking, but you'll all just have to use your imagination to figure out where Stiles was going to shove that extra large branch of mountain ash wrapped in wolfsbane and rolled in mistletoe because Scott interrupts him. Nose hole. (laughs) And our honorable mention is an exchange between Jennifer Blake and Lydia Martin. Jennifer says, Lydia, I wasn't aware you had so many hidden talents. And Lydia says, you and every guy I've ever dated.
3: Don't underestimate her.
0: I would like to ask Lydia, have you ever tried girls?
2: It's a very good question.
3: Cora's like, yes. Has she? What was the answer?
2: (laughs) (laughs) The episode begins with Tara Graham, a sheriff's deputy at Beacon Hills High School at night. The hall's filled with darkness. Oh, it's a good sign.
4: Yeah.
0: She runs into a group of high schoolers, including Danny, and asks what they're doing at school this late.
3: Uh, You know, just chilling like kids do with the lights off.
0: Right? Why are they walking around in complete darkness?
3: Danny explains that they're practicing for tomorrow's recital.
0: Tara tells them there was a 911 call. They need to leave now, and if they see anyone else, they should tell that person the same thing.
3: And turn on some lights, damn it!
0: What was the nine hundred and eleven call about, though? All she told them was to tell anyone else they saw that they had to leave. What if they came upon the perp? Is there a perp?
2: Yeah, that's a very good question. Like, was something on fire? Was like I assume they called the fire department. She didn't tell them anything. There should be. Some sort of warning of like, yeah, watch out for mysterious people at night.
3: Yeah, it's like, all right, kids, y'all need to get out of here. Walk away, walk away. Oh, wait, and there's like a homicidal maniac on the loose. What? Way to bury the lead.
2: (laughs) There's reports of a possessed doll walking around here. (laughs) Tara tries to call dispatch, but hears strange chanting instead.
3: Damn it, Jerry, are you playing Hans Zimmer over the radio again?
0: He just loves it so much. Tara hears someone and pulls her gun.
3: Oh, she's going to mess someone up with that Beretta.
0: She sees a body being dragged into the next room. Slappy Junior?
3: It's a family curse.
0: They do love those shots of people being dragged off screen.
2: I do too. I love it. It's fun.
0: Tara proceeds into the next room, which turns out to be the locker room.
3: Uh, Someone is always in that shower.
2: It's a well-used shower.
3: Yeah.
0: She tells the unseen person to
2: step out with their hands in the air, like they just don't care.
0: They also love these shots with the backlit fan spinning in the chiaroscuro.
3: The steam clears and Tara sees herself laying on the floor. She's the victim, and then the Dirac attacks her, strangling her.
0: Why does Tara see herself, and why is this the only death where we see the Dirac kill a sacrifice barehanded?
3: The earlier sacrifices made the Darak stronger? I'm not really sure. But why she sees herself, I guess this just kind of goes with what we've seen uh with previous sacrifices where people see things, you know, like um the the, the girlfriends in the woods saw the bugs and then Styles' best bathtub friend from when they were little. Uh, <laughs> saw all the saw all the, the, the breaking bottles. <laughs>
2: it was oh it just God. some cello girl? Too <laughs> soon. It was Heather. Um yeah, I think it was just to disarm her so that she could catch her in a moment where she had let her guard down because she was freaked out. Mm. But why she like decided to do it like hands-on is beyond me. I don't really know what that was about.
4: I don't know.
0: Lydia calls Styles, Allison, and Scott to the high school. She explains that the same thing that happened to her before has happened again. She got in her car intending to go one place and found herself someplace else instead. In this case, the high school. Since
2: Styles told her to call him first in case of a dead body, she called them.
3: But this time she hasn't found a dead body yet. Given Styles' reaction to the last one, she thinks it's his turn to find a dead
4: body.
2: Styles demands how they're supposed to do that. Styles, you're just being obtuse. I'm sure Scott could smell a dead body, right? Yeah, exactly.
4: Before
3: Lydia can answer Styles' question, Scott spots the body draped over the Beacon Hills High School sign.
2: Man, someone's gonna have to scrub that down tomorrow.
3: Time to get out the power washer.
2: I'm sure they have one for this exact
1: purpose.
3: I am mm-hmm. yes.
2: When the sheriff's department arrives, Styles tries to hide his face with his pack back and it's adorable.
1: <laughs> so smooth.
3: That but if-
2: part wasn't in like the script, so I just wonder if uh, that was Dylan O'Brien improv.
3: It's possible. <clears throat> but of course, Stalinsky spots Styles and says that he knows that Styles is thinking about patterns and people dying in threes.
0: Murdered, Styles specifies, sacrificed, in fact.
3: But half the state, as well as the FBI, are investigating now, and the killer won't get away with murdering Tara.
0: So he did have a conversation about this with his dad off screen, but not about the supernatural aspect of it. Yeah. But about the sacrifices part, did we actually see that conversation?
3: No, we see him having one with Melissa.
0: Yeah, I just feel like she does know about the supernatural. So the conversation with Stalinsky would have been pretty different. And I feel like it would have warranted a scene. Oh, definitely. Wait, did he have that conversation with his dad
2: before he asked Kyle's girlfriend about Kyle being a virgin and unleashed? Like, doesn't he share with his dad that he thinks they are virgin sacrifices and Stalinsky's just like, Styles, stop the FBI's here?
0: So, I checked the transcript for Unleashed, and all Styles says to his dad in that scene is that he's looking for a pattern, and that's why he's talking to Kyle's girlfriend. He never gets to the sacrifices part.
2: Ah, uh,
3: okay. In the script, this scene is actually extended. After the sheriff tells Styles to get to class, Scott and Styles have a short interaction. With a nod, Styles slips into the rush of students, hardly seeming to notice Scott stepping in at his side. Scott says, why does it feel like something's changing? Like all this is just getting worse? Styles replies, you mean like time's running out? Scott gives a worried nod, then says, we need to figure out who's doing this. Styles says, Lydia said she saw a slashed up face. I don't know about you, but I haven't met anyone lately with massive open wounds all over their face. Scott says, yeah, but I think this thing gets into your head. Like it can make you see whatever it wants you to see. Styles replies, what if it's just another kind of shapeshifter? Scott says, then it could be anyone. Pausing at the door of the building, Stiles throws a last glance back to find his father and the deputies leaving. Scott continues, you okay? Stiles says, no, dude, I'm not. And you're right, time's running out. Stiles steps in, leaving Scott at the door, shaken by his tone.
2: It's interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. I assume they just had to cut that for time.
3: Yeah, probably. I mean, that's like a, a scene.
2: Why... If the draw can make people see what they want to see, does she just let Lydia see her slashed up face? I wonder.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point because that seems like just at least partially letting the cat out of the bag, right?
3: I guess, but I mean, it's not like you could figure anything out from just that face. It's just a face, you know? True, um...
0: but she seems to be pretty tightly cracking down on people knowing things. (laughs) I mean, the title of the episode is The Girl Who Knew Too Much. And we already know she went after Danny for like researching telluric currents, even though we all established when we talked about that episode that there's no way anyone would have known anything about that but Harris who was already in on it because we can promise you that no one who's job wasn't dependent on hearing about that stuff was going to listen to danny talk about it and i say that fully knowing that everyone loves danny but their eyes would just glaze right the hell over sorry i have another question
4: Mm -hmm.
0: how does scott know that the dirac makes people hallucinate has he read the script
3: he's read the script and he Um, saw the big whiteboard that had the whole season laid out
0: no, I think it's maybe
2: a case of another off-screen conversation that's very important, but we didn't see because Deaton was just taken last episode. So there's very good chance he hallucinated something.
3: Well, he saw the oh. he saw the
2: moths. He saw the moths and stuff. So I think it's likely Deaton told him, but oh, we didn't okay. get that conversation yeah. because it was too important to have on screen. <laughs> so yeah. I do think yeah. like he does have someone who had a first-hand account who did survive.
3: Yeah, I forgot Deaton. Good point. Yeah, yeah.
2: at the Argent's apartment. Chris tells Allison, who's curled up in bed, that he heard about the school recital in honor of the losses.
3: Allison corrects him. They're murders, not losses.
2: Recital is a stupid way to honor the dead. You'll wish that you're one of those dead people by having to go listen to a bunch of high school
3: students play at a recital. Oh, God. (laughs) And one of those high school students is world's perfect person, Danny. So... Let's calm so down.
0: at least one aspect of that recital is going to be perfect.
3: <laughs> yes, you can just see there's like later everyone's in the audience and like Danny does a little solo and everyone's like, this is very good. Everything else is shit, but he was <laughs> he was very good.
0: Chris offers to take Allison to the recital, but she says she doesn't feel up to it.
3: Chris says he understands and tells her not to worry about school right now. As soon as he leaves, Allison throws back the covers, revealing she's fully dressed.
0: I love this outfit.
2: Right. It's a good one. I especially love those
0: tights. Allison hears a suspicious sound near her window. She grabs a ring dagger.
3: Now armed, she slowly goes over to the window.
0: The shots throughout this scene are great. Classic, beautiful Teen Wolf slow-mo. This whole approaching the window sequence, I love.
3: Yeah, it's fantastic.
0: She could totally
2: be a slayer. Also, I gotta get me one of of those ring daggers. Hmm. I would immediately stab myself, but...
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think they're hard to wield. And
2: I also am just very clumsy. (laughs) Allison grabs the intruder and pins him to the floor, ring dagger at his throat, before she realizes it's Isaac.
0: He admits that Scott sent him because he was worried about Allison not being at school. Allison says she can take care of herself. Isaac assures her that he's noticed more than once.
2: Got a fear boner right here,
3: right now. But well, I was gonna say, like, she could just slide that ring dagger down it or something, but <laughs> <laughs> you could make it spin. So,
0: oh go. <laughs> my god, that's an image that is by definition I an did image.
2: I'm like... <laughs>
3: <laughs> Meanwhile, in Ms. Blake's class, Lydia sketches the same tree as before.
2: Ms. Blake says she didn't know Lydia had so many towns. Lydia retorts that the same is true of the guys Lydia has dated. Ms. Blake says that's an example of an idiom. Is it? Yeah, what?
0: An idiom is a language-specific expression of which the deeper layer of meaning isn't obvious based on the face value meanings of the words themselves. So what Lydia is saying is quippy, but it's not idiomatic. I mean, Ms. Blake and every guy she's ever dated are all unaware of Lydia's hidden talents. That's what it says on the tin. That's what it means. That's not an idiom.
2: She's not a very good English teacher. She's like, no one's really listening, right? Lydia's the only smart one and she's drawing. So... She has no audience
0: here. To your point, definitely not listening to their teacher, Scott and Styles discuss the Alpha Twins. Scott thinks he can get Ethan to talk. The only problem is getting through Aiden. In the hallway, Aiden tries to dissuade Ethan from continuing to see Danny. He reminds Ethan that they're not actually high school students.
2: They see themselves right there, guys. (laughs)
0: It's true. The
2: proof is in the pudding.
3: (laughs) It is. (laughs) The twins are only here to eliminate a threat, Aiden says. He accuses Ethan of actually starting to like Danny. Duh. Yeah, duh.
0: Impossible not to like Danny.
3: That's national treasure, Danny.
0: Do
2: you think Nicholas Cage is gonna come steal him? <laughs>
3: he better not. I would watch that. Not today, Nicholas. That's an amazing movie. He like turns the Declaration of Independence over and it's just a picture of Danny. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah. I get it.
0: How did the Founding Fathers <laughs> know? Aiden asks
2: whether Ethan could follow through if Deucalion asked him to kill Danny.
0: Ethan asks whether Aiden could follow through if Deucalion asked him to kill Ethan. Do
2: you think if Aiden did kill Ethan that he'd absorb the power and be able to be super alpha on his own?
3: Maybe.
0: That would make sense.
2: Aiden threatens Danny if Ethan won't break it off. On a similar topic, Stiles says that the twins are almost always together, so how is Scott going to separate them? Their attention turns to Lydia, who can only ask, what now?
0: I love her delivery of
3: that.
2: Absolutely. They have Lydia distract Aiden to get him away from Ethan.
3: So now they've told her that he's a bad guy and they need her?
2: I guess.
0: Well, she knows by now.
3: I mean, does she? No one's actually said that to her.
0: We commented on that in a previous episode when Ethan admitted to Scott that they were using Danny and Lydia. Scott didn't tell her that.
2: And I took it that Allison had told Lydia and that's why Lydia was pretending that she wasn't ho- hooking up with Aiden.
0: That was before the one where Ethan admitted they were using Lydia.
2: Right, but she did know that he's in the Alpha pack. She learns that in unleashed, which was right before Fraid. She may or may not know that they were using her, but she knew the Alpha twins were evil.
0: See, that's what I wasn't sure of. Did she know what they had done before Boyd's death? Like, the only piece of information we know for sure she got was that they're alpha werewolves, and she got that information several episodes after everyone else.
3: If she did have all the information, then that would mean that up to this point, she's been having sex with a murderer who she knows wants to kill people she cares about. I mean, isn't that terrible?
2: Well, as far as we know, they only got to like second base, but
4: <laughs>
2: I mean, yeah, I don't think it's great writing, but I think it's the art they're trying to give her because as of this episode, she starts to say that she knows she's something special and she wants to use her powers to do something good and something special. And she doesn't want to be with a bad guy.
0: That could be intentional on the writer's part. I'm just not sure because we don't actually see anyone telling her all the information, nor do we ever talking about that information ever up until this episode. Kind of what we were talking about before with like whether information is disclosed off screen or not. Like everyone else talks about it, but not Lydia. We only ever see her learning that Aiden is an alpha. We don't even see any other characters talking about the alpha pack in her presence before this point. In terms of what they actually show, it's equally possible that she doesn't know a lot of that context until now, that they just didn't deign to tell her everything until Boyd died. Which sounds really far-fetched, until you remember that that's the entire premise of Season 2. With
3: Aiden distracted, Scott and Styles approach Ethan.
0: Ethan asks
2: why Scott is even talking to him when he helped kill his friend. Isn't Scott afraid he'll kill another one? Styles takes this
0: as a very personal threat. Scott tries to defuse the situation, saying that he knows Ethan didn't want to kill Boyd.
3: Ethan says that Scott doesn't understand what they owe the Alpha Pack, especially to Kalian. When the Alpha Pack met Ethan and Aiden, they weren't alphas.
2: They were bitches. <laughs> and actually, in the original script, Styles like, repeats that they were bitches, and he gets, like, a very new chuckle out of it.
4: Oh. oh,
0: wow. Okay. Ethan and Aiden were Omegas, forced to endure the abuse of the rest of the Pack.
3: Oh, so they do that in packs? Or maybe just in asshole packs?
0: Yeah, it's weird, because previously they had defined Omegas as lone wolves. Like, in the episode Omega they say, an Omega is a lone wolf.
4: Yeah.
2: Meanwhile, Lydia successfully distracts Aiden, but their sexy times are ruined when she brings up the fact that he killed Boyd. Aiden points out that Derek and Boyd had tried to kill her, a fact that Lydia was unaware he knew. She asks how he found out about that, but before he can answer, a spiral sliced into the window pane of the office. Aiden thinks it is Derek coming to get him, but it turns out to be Cora. How did Aiden find out about this fact?
0: The grapevine would have to have gone Scott, Deaton, Morell, yeah. Aiden. Right? Yeah. Like, That's I can't
2: such think a, He <laughs> telephone there.
0: Yeah, but like, I can't, I literally can't think of any other sequence of people where I would be like, yes, I believe that person would tell this other person that. Like, yeah. I believe Scott would tell Deaton that. I believe Deaton would tell Morell that because he's useless. And I <laughs> believe that Morell would tell the Alpha Pack that. Yeah. I
2: don't think I even believe that Morel and Dean tell each other anything. I think it's like almost like a weird game to them where they just don't tell each other anything important.
0: Well, that's the thing. Like, they both know about stuff, they just don't talk about it on screen or like they only allude to it on screen because Dean knew the alpha pack was coming before they got there. He just didn't tell Scott. Yeah. And I feel like Morrell would have had to be the one to tell him. That's That makes the most sense to me, which means- oh, He didn't they
2: all- see the symbol, so maybe he knew what the symbol was? Because they were leaving that symbol around town. But, hey, guys, we're coming
0: down. I mean, so is De- was Deaton just, like, going by the Hale House just in case? I
2: mean, he should. Someone should.
3: Well,
4: memory.
2: useless.
3: Well, Deaton's well, you, useless. Well, no, to be fair to Deaton- he made a promise to Talia that he oh never God. kept. <laughs> <laughs> so one day he was like, oh, shit, I made a promise. I need to swing by there. See if anything but then happened recently. <laughs> they, still,
0: they, they still would have had to talk about it, though, because Morell would have to know that he knew.
4: Yeah, I don't know.
0: And he would have to know that she knew because n- at no point in that scene was either of them like, wait, you know about that, too? How do you know about that? So I feel like they definitely talk off screen and we just don't ever hear about it, which is why they shared screen time for so long before we even knew that they were siblings.
4: Yeah.
2: In the original script, there's an extra line where she says, how do you know about that pulling back from him? I never told you that. So I feel like she's supposed to be like pretty unnerved by this fact, but then it doesn't actually come up again later.
0: Yeah, well, I, I do feel like her being really unnerved by that doesn't quite come across in the episode just because that bit isn't in there and they, they cut so quickly to the whole like, oh, Derek's here, which turns out to be Cora. But like, there isn't like a beat to really stew in that in the actual episode. Yeah. So I feel like it doesn't, the, that sense of her being really freaked out by it doesn't come across as much. Like we we blew right past it when we were watching the episode. Yeah. None of us said anything at that point.
3: Yeah. More information that needed to be in a conversation on screen. (laughs) Ethan continues to explain to Scott and Styles that their previous alpha was the worst of their former pack. Ethan and Aiden didn't know how to form what Styles calls Voltron alpha yet, so they couldn't fight back. Deucalion taught them how.
2: Uh, How did Deucalion figure that out?
0: Oh, I would kill to be a fly on the wall for that discovery, dude. I
2: wish I could do like. A proper Deucalion voice It's
0: like, now have you tried inserting your
2: fist into your brother's back?
3: (laughs) For werewolf stuff, right? Yes.
0: (laughs) No, like the Star Wars meme? For werewolf stuff, right? For werewolf stuff, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Ethan explains
2: how he and Aiden killed the rest of the pack, including their alpha and emissary.
0: It was the same with Ennis and Kali. Only Morel, Ducalion's emissary, escaped death. Ethan suddenly cries out in pain, interrupting the conversation. It's Aiden, he says.
3: They find Aiden in a fight with Korra, which Korra loses. Ethan reminds Aiden that even though Korra started the fight, Aiden can't touch her because Ducalion gave Derek until the next full moon.
0: I wonder why she came after you. That's what happens when you murder somebody. In the description of the script, it says, the barbell plate clatters to
2: the floor. Styles takes a protective step in front of Cora, as well as a moment later, a few feet away, Cora barely seems able to hold herself up on the floor while Styles and Scott stand ready to defend her. I just thought this bit was really sweet, like Styles stepping in again, even though he has no werewolf powers, ready to stand up against an alpha to protect a hail.
0: Yeah. Who's not even particularly nice to him. Oh, no.
3: Like all hails. Like all the
0: other hails. Like
4: all
3: guys, yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll throw himself in front of a bullet for a hail.
2: At the Argent's apartment, Allison shows Isaac her dad's map tracking the sacrifices. Isaac asks if she thinks her dad is the killer, and she says no. At least she hopes he isn't.
3: I really like his jacket.
2: They both have great jackets. Barbara does such a good job.
3: Yeah, her jacket's great, and she does.
2: I would wear
0: the shit out of that whole outfit. Yeah. It's interesting that Allison expresses some suspicion that her dad could be the killer here, given that we saw her showing this map to Scott previously, and there was never any mention of them thinking he actually did it.
2: Oh, yeah. I think it's weird she thought he might have done it at all. I know her family keeps a lot of secrets, and her grandfather turned out to be super evil, but...
0: And her mom tried to kill Scott, and her aunt murdered loads of people.
2: Still, I guess, but that's a pretty good point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Allison's like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, and then thrice, and then four times. Probably shame on me at that point.
2: Just assuming everyone in our family is a murderer now. I mean. There's more dialogue here in the original script. Isaac says, just trying to put all the cards on the table. So how can he be a hunter and a druid? Allison says, from what my grandfather said, Isaac says, okay, hold on. Again, your grandfather's still alive? Allison replies, he's in a home in a wheelchair. Isaac says, not as comforting as if he was dead, but fine. Back to your dad. Druid or not druid? Allison says he knows a lot about them, maybe enough to learn some of their tricks.
0: This is such a standout example, because it got cut, where Isaac's like, hold up, Gerard's alive? Because we don't (laughs) actually see anybody learn that information. Like, Mm -hmm. we see Scott going there with her, but we don't actually even see the scene where she's like, so about Gerard, remember that master plan of yours? It didn't totally work, and he's not dead.
2: Those cards are not all on the table. No, nope. that's
3: true. That's, that's true.
0: Isaac says they should take a step back and look at things from a higher level to see the complete picture. His attention turns to the table underneath the map, which features a Celtic five-fold knot.
2: Under a black light, they find the five circles in the symbol are marked with words. Virgins, warriors, healers, philosophers, and guardians.
0: Did Chris buy that table for this specific purpose?
2: Maybe he did that woodworking himself. Took it up as a hobby after his wife died. Yeah. In the script, it says, Isaac meets Allison's frightened gaze, both of them seeming to understand the implication. Argent may indeed be the killer, the drac. I just don't feel like they did a very strong job of setting up the possibility that Chris was the Drock. It feels like this is something they believe for like two scenes, and it just feels like a waste of those scenes.
3: It's...
4: Yeah,
0: yeah. it's
3: weird. It's not a good red herring, just because yeah. it's a red herring for like you said, a couple a of second. scenes over several episodes, but it's never like, no one's ever like, shit, could it actually- But it actually isn't over be? several
0: episodes because, no, because like the, the first time-
2: Commented on the first time.
0: Yeah, yeah, they don't comment on it at all.
3: No, you're right. Yes, again, still terrible red herring where it's like, a, do you think your dad did it? He might've, oh wait, no, he didn't. Like you know, Tuesdays where it's later, like, why? yeah, there's like, it's like, it's cheap drama, you know, like it's, Nothing like it just doesn't. Yeah,
2: yeah. it's a pet peeve. I hate that a lot. Whenever it's like a red herring for a five minute span, that nothing annoys me as much in shows because it's just such a waste of time. I mean, if something like really important happens in that short span, okay, like they kill someone because they think that they're a red herring, and then it turns out they're not. It's like okay, yeah, that maybe they didn't think that for very long, but something really important happened because of this thought when there's no consequences and something they believe for two scenes it's like yeah why did you even bother setting this
3: up yeah right? it kind of feels at least in this instance a little bit like filler where it's like we need characters to do things but <laughs> and does, that's has it.
0: Teen Wolf ever needed filler I mean they well, we've can't we've like, constantly yeah.
2: we've already seen like two other scenes in this episode that were cut that we felt like could have been
0: important included and would actually have been interesting (laughs) to include
4: yeah
3: do you think the writers were maybe thinking of this stuff being the tail end of like maybe of like this little baby arc that started with chris saying hey we don't need to keep secrets anymore and then how we do have like no, because then they pay all that off. I was going to say, because, like, you know, and then, like, Chris is like, Allison, I got to go do stuff. I'm leaving. And then he leaves. But, I was like, but then we see exactly what he does.
4: Yeah.
3: So it's not like it's not losing time or anything. Yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, I feel like, yeah, they just really want their paths to cross, realizing, like, they're both hunting the Drock. But I don't feel like she really needs to think he's the killer for that. I think that she can just right. realize... He's also hunting the draught. she thinks he's gathering information but not acting on it and she's willing to act on it.
4: Yeah,
3: still healing. Cora accuses the others of failing to take care of things. All they do is show up late and find the bodies. Burn. Yeah, damn Cora.
2: Burn like that hail house. Oh. Whoa.
0: Cora storms off. Stiles says she's definitely a hail. He'll make sure she gets home.
2: I'm just going to take her home to Derek. It's fine.
0: Why do you need to make sure she gets home? She's a hundred times stronger than you.
2: He just wants to follow the Hales home. Do you mind?
0: I'd like to point out this is now the second time Styles has commented on how similar she is to Derek.
3: So in the script, there's an extra scene with Coach here after Lydia and Styles leave. Lydia looks to Scott and he gives her a nod to go as well. While she leaves, Scott turns back to the office door and the spiral in the window. The door slams open, startling him. Coach hurries out, shaking out vitamins from a bottle. Coach says, what's wrong with you? Scott says, I think two more people are going to be killed and I don't think I'm going to be able to stop it. Coach says, we all got issues. Talk it over with the guidance counselor. As coach grabs a half empty bottle of water from an open locker, Scott slowly looks up. Scott, I think I will.
2: I feel like vitamins should be in quotes there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, you're not wrong about that.
2: He grabs that, like, half-empty bottle of water from an open locker, like, just some random kid's locker.
4: (laughs) That's what
0: I wanted to know. Like, is he just taking someone's water? It's
2: interesting that they were going to have a scene with Coach here, but then he's on the episode at all. Yeah, no. Aside the high school, Derek waits for Jennifer.
3: Oh, Styles is going to get jealous when he sees this. He's
2: going to be so disappointed when he follows Cora home and Derek's not there. If Cora was, like, inside getting, like pummeled and then like taken to the parking lot at the same time Derek's like on the property like meeting up with his girlfriend and does he not like hear a heartbeat or anything
0: I feel like that's that's just it's like plot
3: convenience skill yeah it's just one of those things when you give someone extraordinary powers then it's like well it just ruins all drama and and, but not even drama where stuff like this where it's like something is happening to someone you care about but you don't know it you're not hearing their heartbeat. You're not hearing, you're not getting their scent or this or that, you know? So it's just like, I don't approve, but I get it. I get it when it comes to story stuff. Sometimes. <laughs> Jennifer asks where he's been, saying that needing to be alone for a while is the single worst excuse ever. After a moment, she apologizes.
0: Good. That's a shitty thing to say, given what happened. Uh, Yeah. Jennifer tells him about the recital she put together for tonight to honor the school's losses. She asks him if it sounds stupid. And indeed,
2: it does.
3: Actually, Derek says it sounds perfect.
2: Why? Oh, she should just ask him if he can play the triangle.
0: (laughs) Derek's just being nice, which is strange for him. He's good, but not nice.
2: Right. They kiss.
0: Oh, God, it just keeps going. Yeah,
2: there's even more in the original script. Jennifer says, what are you going to do? I mean, where are you going to be? And Derek says, waiting for you. She nods and kisses him again, holding her lips to his for a long moment. Finally, she pulls away and Derek watches her hurry back to the school as the wind hurtles through the tunnel again. However, even he can't help but shiver.
0: It just doesn't feel like, okay, sanity check. Is it just because I don't ship them that I feel like this just doesn't sound like Derek at all.
2: Uh, I feel like this is an example that I feel like they tried to do, but it wasn't very well established that she's in control of him. Like she's controlling him because we see like, you know, her talking about like, Oh, I should have like taken philosophers sooner. She's showing like the different things she's achieved by taking healers and everything. And she kisses the sheriff when she says and virgins and i feel like it's like you know about like sexual control
4: mm. is like
2: what the virginity thing is about and i feel like that's what's happening here with derek because yeah it seems weird for him to just be like yeah i'll just be like waiting here for you i know he had like an episode to grieve about Boyd, but i feel like he'd still want to be at like Cora's side making sure she wasn't doing anything stupid wanting to like be more on top of what was happening with the alpha pack instead of just being like, I'm going to wait around for you while you're at school mm-hmm. and everything. It, it feels so out of character that I feel like it has to be love spell.
3: That is super sad. It is sad. I buy it. So I, I think that makes complete sense because you're right. You, you look at this scene and you're like,
4: what? That's not
3: Derek at all. He doesn't do stuff like that.
2: I think, I feel like she gives him just enough agency to make him feel like it's his choices. Yeah. Like, so he doesn't, he can't get, he he doesn't like realize, yeah, that's happening because she's not like overdoing it, but like, yeah, he just has like enough agency to like mostly be himself, except for when it comes to her.
0: Based on her saying the philosopher's thing, you get the sense that each round of sacrifices gives her a particular power right that is somehow related to the organizing principle of that round of sacrifices in that there's this sense that there's sex magic attached to having killed the virgins which mm-hmm. is also supported by the whole like healing him during sex anyway yeah but it also makes what was already not a consensual situation, somehow less consensual.
2: But I do feel like it makes sense as to why Derek would have even gone along with it at all. Yeah. I mean, I know he's in a vulnerable place anyway, but it just feels like he would have been more opposed to being touched.
3: While Scott goes to talk to Morell, Allison relays what she and Isaac learned to Styles.
2: The picture of her on his phone is so funny.
3: Oh, hey, Matt took that one too.
2: He took it right after she made the bestiality comment. <laughs>
0: Allison theorizes that the deputy was considered a guardian sacrifice, so Styles should warn his dad. Styles enlists Cora's help in telling his dad the truth. We so rarely get interior jeep shots.
3: Yeah.
2: Do you know if there's a reason for that?
3: Oh, because I mean, it's it's a lot of production. You know, especially at this point, I mean, to do something like that, it's like, I mean, you got to get the jeep, you got to put it on a process trailer, you got to take it out to a road. You got to shut down that road. You got to hire people to be in cars. And, and it's a, it's a thing later in the show. And there's pictures of it on Instagram. I think Jeff's even put some up for the movie is we got a whole bunch of basically super high quality TV screens and built a wall. So you could put a car on the stage and second unit will go out and film a plate of, of like what it would look like outside of a car. If somebody was driving in and then just put that on the screen behind them. And it just saved a whole bunch of time and money. do it and really cool yeah
2: morel tells scott she's not the one killing people
3: that's exactly what a killer would say
0: she sure as hell can enunciate just
2: just like a killer (laughs) definitely like a bad guy from the show (laughs) yeah from the original script morel says you think i'd sacrifice my own brother's life scott says you didn't seem that close to me Morel says, we've had our differences, not enough to make me want to kill him. Scott says, so who do you want to kill?
4: Oh, Scott getting
3: sassy. In fact, Morel claims that she's the one standing between Dechillion and the lives of Scott's friends.
2: She's the one pulling the leash taut when the Alpha Pack
3: wants a bite. Well, that hasn't worked. Uh, yeah, Morel, people are dead.
0: That explains why I didn't remember the rationale behind Morel working with the Alpha Pack. It is thin. It is very thin. Very thin. Morel explains that Deucalion wants a true alpha in his pack and he thinks that Scott He's got to collect them all. <laughs>
3: Putting her psychologist hat on, Morel diagnoses Decalian as an obsessive who either wants Scott to join his pack willingly or wants to force Scott to become a killer and destroy his potential to be a true alpha.
2: So you can't stay a true alpha if you turn into a shitty person, right?
3: Yeah, I feel like that would kind of defeat the purpose and you'd lose it immediately.
0: If the obsessive can't have the object of his desire, he'll destroy it instead.
2: Yeah, Scott. Watch a Lifetime movie sometime.
3: Matt and Decalian would have gotten along just fine. <laughs> Scott says neither of those things will happen. He won't join the pack as a true alpha or kill anyone.
2: I refuse to be good enough to be a true alpha. I'll be right down the middle.
0: Mediocre alpha, at best. Mediocre!
3: <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> Merle tells him not to be so sure. Ducalian is ten steps ahead of him.
3: You're
0: so unhelpful.
3: <laughs> She's definitely from the same family as Deaton.
2: Can you imagine what family dinner was like with them?
3: Oh god, that sounds awful.
0: It was probably similar to what Family Dinner was like in the Enigma household.
3: Ha <laughs> ha!
2: Good one. Uh, also, this is like the season of chess references.
0: A Beacon Hills high school teacher notices a five-fold Celtic knot drawn on his chalkboard.
3: Hey, it's Rusty Smith. That's the first production designer we had on the show. That's cool.
0: Oh yeah,
2: that's fun. You'd think the draw can make more perfect circles than that.
0: You call those magic circles? <laughs>
2: He drops the chalk and it goes rolling, landing at Lydia's feet. She picks up the piece of chalk, goes into the now deserted room, and writes a two in one of the circles of the Celtic knot. Then she screams.
0: I love that shot.
3: Oh, it's very spikely. It's great.
0: Lydia tries to convince Jennifer to call the police to report the teacher missing. Jennifer says all they know so far is that Mr. Westover didn't show up for class. Lydia claims to be psychic, of which Jennifer is skeptical. Lydia retorts that she's something.
2: Jennifer's seen all sorts of shit, but she's skeptical when it comes to Lydia being psychic. Yeah. Believe in werewolves, don't believe in
4: psychics.
2: (laughs) Wonder why. Meanwhile, Styles tries to figure out how to tell his dad about the supernatural.
3: Ah, Cora, just show him your teeth.
2: Oh, there's a photo back there of Posey and D.O.B. that I'm pretty sure was taken on their way to Comic-Con one year.
3: Oh, yeah? So Styles gets out a chessboard.
2: It's weird that he keeps in his room when he told Jennifer that his dad plays, but not him.
3: It's because there's a theme to this episode, looking at the whole board.
2: Yeah, it's not heavy-handed at all.
3: Mm
4: -hmm. All
2: Allison and Isaac find a new mark on the map and decide to go looking for
0: the next sacrifice. The scene is slightly longer in the script. Allison takes a picture of the map with her phone and folds up the Tularek map. Isaac says, I'm going with you. Allison says, It's my father. It's not like he's going to kill me, too. Isaac says, Would you have said the same thing about Gerard? Now she pauses. Then she says, I'll
3: drive.
2: I would go. love have loved see- to have that scene.
4: Yeah,
3: that would be good. The man makes a solid point. He does. Back at the Zelensky house, the sheriff tries to understand what Styles is telling him. His friend Deaton, the veterinarian, is the Canima.
2: Are you guys friends? Deaton say you're friends or work acquaintances? <laughs> Sad. Because you just keep going there pretending he can be a, a consultant.
0: Styles corrects him, but Deaton is a druid, they think. He explains about the werewolves, the hunters, Jackson, the Durak, who they think was slashed up by werewolves and left for dead. Why did they think that?
2: They wrote the script. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: I think it was just from learning that emissaries belong to a pack And because the Alpha pack is also in town and like, because the Drak has the wounds was slashed up by werewolves and might be connected to the Alpha pack. It's all just-
4: So
0: they've basically, after the conversation, Scott and Styles have theorized that the Drak is the former emissary of one of the Alpha pack members from before they joined the Alpha pack and that's based on the fact that druids are generally emissaries in the modern supernatural world yeah. to werewolf packs and so that's like the only that's like their best theory for how to explain the unlikely coincidence of the alpha pack showing up at the same time as a murderous
3: druid yeah yes. it is quite the werewolf belief across across a chasm
0: <laughs> Stalinsky asks why Jackson was the canema. Styles says it's because sometimes the shape you take reflects the person you are.
2: Oh, that's what Derek told me.
3: Jackson was a piece of shit. You met him. Come on.
2: Stalinsky gets angry and tries to end the discussion. Styles asks Cora to show him.
3: Oh, I should have led with this buddy
0: but before Cora can shift, she collapses.
3: Of course he's too weak to turn after this nine-hour conversation. Don't bury the lead, buddy. You give the proof, then you explain it.
2: Yep. Allison and Isaac get to the location where they think they'll find
0: the next sacrifice.
3: Hey, that's a power plant over in Glendale, I think.
0: Isaac asks if they should call Scott. Allison says to stay behind her and stay quiet.
3: Yeah, do stay behind her. Last time she had that ring dagger, she stabbed the shit out of you.
0: Don't turn your back on her.
3: Exactly. (laughs) Her outfit is amazing, though.
0: She's got that going for her. She's dressed to kill. Oh, yeah. Oh, there it
3: is. (laughs) They encounter the Duroc, the victim, Mr. Westover, and Chris Argent.
0: He knows how to reload quickly. Duroc gets away and the victim dies.
3: I think Chris might have shot him.
4: He was shooting all (laughs) over the place.
0: Allison calls Scott and relays that they were wrong. It's not guardians, as in law enforcement. It's philosophers, as in teachers.
3: As it turns out, Tara was a teacher before she was a deputy. The next sacrifice is likely to be a teacher, too.
2: Stiles points out that there are dozens of them. Dozens! I didn't notice it the other times I watched it, but how they actually set this up with Stiles saying that she used to help him with his math homework whenever he was stuck at the station waiting for his dad actually set something up.
3: Yeah, well done, Joe. Allison and Chris argue about the lies they've been telling each other, with Chris saying that he might've caught the Duroc if it weren't for Isaac and Allison.
0: Those pesky kids. Isaac reminds them that now probably isn't the time. There's still one more teacher sacrifice coming and all the teachers are going to the recital.
2: Okay, but who's the important teacher? Harris is already dead. Are there any others that we even know the names
3: to? There's only one more with a name. Yep. While at the hospital with Cora, Styles continues trying to get his dad to take the supernatural threats seriously, but Zelensky refuses.
0: Here it comes. Styles says that his mom would have believed him. Oh,
3: oh. playing the mom card
0: hurts. hurts so, so sad. Much. Meanwhile, the school prepares for the recital.
2: Slow-mo, slow-mo, slow-mo.
3: Oh, I love it. Love it so much.
2: The show loves it too. The show-mo <laughs> loves the slow-mo.
3: Uh,
2: Ethan helps Danny tie his tie.
3: Only Danny can pull off a tie with a short sleeve shirt.
2: But can he?
3: No, not really.
0: Ethan also gives Danny an icebreaker.
2: Minty fresh breath. I forgot you guys also had some icebreakers up in there.
3: He tells Danny that if anything happens, he should find Ethan first.
2: I like how Danny doesn't even ask questions. Find you? Yeah. Okay. Seems legit.
0: (laughs) Scott is surprised that Lydia is staying for the recital. She says that maybe if she stops fighting her powers, she'll be able to find someone before they get killed, and someone like Scott will be able to do something about it.
2: Coach has a line here in the original script. He says, McCall, take a seat. It's not going to be that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah. So they actually had like two little coach bits here originally, but those like, I suppose were cut for time.
4: Yeah.
3: Scott says that if Lydia gets him the time, he'll do something about it.
2: At the same time, Derek is glued to Cora's bedside in the hospital and promises not to leave again.
3: I'm pretty sure Cora's out of commission because Adelaide Kane was in Scotland filming the rain pilot. Oh, yeah? Yeah. My sister loved that show.
2: Yeah, you throw a character in a coma when they got to go film something else.
0: Despite his lack of a court order, Melissa agrees to show an old patient file to Sheriff Stelinski that had slash marks all over the body.
3: Melissa McCall!
0: Just remember that it will not be admissible in court.
3: Interesting fact, the patient photo we see is Teen Wolf Rider Moira McMahon. She wrote an episode called Silver Finger next season.
0: Oh, so fun. I love
2: that you guys stick writers and behind the scenes people up in there yeah
3: because we were writing 3b when this was filming
2: Lydia gets a mysterious text from Aiden saying to meet him because it's life or death
0: she leaves the recital room
2: okay guys why does Aiden turn around here to look at her it just seems like really convenient timing considering the text isn't from him
0: that's exactly what it is
4: oh yeah
2: Because like he turns and almost gives her like a little nod
0: yeah he really does
2: but there's no reason for that. Yeah. Also, wrong. I think it's weird that she decides like to go meet him. For one thing, does she even get like a location to go meet him? But like, even so, it's weird that I feel like she sees him still in there and doesn't wait for him to get up to go meet him.
3: Meanwhile, Aiden realizes he's lost his phone.
2: Yeah, it's just so weird Lydia went alone to meet him. Right, like, without telling right anyone. There. Like Scott could have easily gone with her.
0: Melissa relays that while the patient was in the O.R., hundreds of birds flew into the walls and windows, like a mass suicide. Or a mass sacrifice, Stolinsky thinks.
2: For what, Melissa asks. Not what, Stolinsky says. Who? Whom. Well, he's not an English
0: teacher. You might argue neither is Ms. Blake. Mm-hmm.
3: Lydia's text, supposedly from Aiden, turns out to be a trap by the Dirac. Lydia comes face to face with the killer, Jennifer Blake. Bum, bum, bum.
0: Big reveal. I
2: feel like you guys worked hard to make it a mystery, except, like, there are no options besides Jennifer.
3: Yeah, that's the problem with, uh, I was going to say having so few named characters, but we have like a million named characters on the show. But you're right. She's the only person who it could be at this point. There needs to be another person who's a real red herring, Mm -hmm. who all the evidence is pointing to so that Mm -hmm. everyone, including the audience, believes it is Argent. 100%. They have him dead to rights, but actually it was Jennifer the whole time. And then we figure it out that, oh, Jesus Christ, we were blah, 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 blah all that but at this point and it's I like, feel like well there's only one character left <laughs> right
0: and i feel like if they wanted chris to be a real red herring not only would that would they have to believe that for longer but we would want the reveal of who the dirac really is to happen before we've actually eliminated chris like by the time we get to that scene we've already had the scene with allison and chris yeah i feel like if if that were a real red herring we shouldn't know who, that chris isn't the drak right up until the moment where we see who the drak really is yeah
2: i feel like it would have made a lot more sense to have morel be the red herring yeah because they know she's a she's a druid so far nothing has been done to the alpha pack to make it think that the drak is working against them and um
0: except that they've read the script
4: yeah
2: <laughs> right
0: i mean it, like because they they jumped to that conclusion that it had to be one of the dead emissaries instead of the living one.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. But if the writers had, like, going just off what has actually happened, it would have made way more sense to say they don't know anything about morale. I just feel like it makes a lot more sense than, because we don't know what the drunk wants at this point in time.
4: Yeah. Correct. That's true.
2: If there was something... That would make sense
0: that Chris wanted. If we knew a little bit earlier about the whole, like, a druid can, or a Dirac, can gather new powers using Mm -hmm. sacrifices, it could have been that he was gathering powers for necromancy to bring Victoria back. Yeah.
4: That's, yeah. It's
2: like at least something, or... Yeah, like something. Like, yeah, I just feel like for them to have a strong suspicion that it's chris they should believe that there's a reason why he'd be doing it
4: yeah
0: but the other yeah. thing is they only applies to allison and isaac because by right. this point scott and styles have come up with their new theory
4: I,
3: I think Liz is completely correct like morel is like the perfect choice to have as your red herring throughout the entire season
2: those are some heels lydia has to run around in i would break an ankle. No kidding. The music at the recital intensifies, sounding like the rhythmic chanting associated with the Drak.
3: Hey, there's Dino, the composer for our show's ridiculously amazing score and probably the greatest opening credit song of all time.
2: That's so fun. These musicians aren't students, though, right? Right. So she just set up a recital with some students and some randoms?
3: She must have been taught by Hale with all this drama she's bringing in. <laughs> Scott uses his wolfy vision to look for Lydia.
2: So Scott can see as a wolf whenever he wants to. Is that a new thing that we have?
3: Season one had alpha vision and rage vision, right?
2: Mm, Yeah, we've had different versions of the vision, I guess. Not exactly like this, though.
0: With Lydia as a captive audience, Jennifer explains the etymology of the word sacrifice, an offering to a deity, a sacred rite, A necessary evil.
3: She can't stop because she knows the Alpha Pack so well. And Lydia, unfortunately, knows too much.
0: What does she know that's so problematic? Besides archaic and classical Latin, meaning she definitely didn't need that etymology lesson.
2: (laughs) Well, Lydia points them to the fact that Mr. Westover was missing before the Drak had even killed him.
0: Oh, right. So
2: I think Jennifer saw Lydia as potentially standing in her way in terms of the sacrifices.
0: At the recital, a piano wire snaps and strikes a teacher, the last of the three philosopher's sacrifices.
3: I guess that was like a redo of the original idea when the music teacher was going to get slashed by the piano wires, but they cut it for budget and time.
2: It looked pretty cool.
3: Lydia screams. Jennifer realizes that Lydia has no idea what she is, a banshee. Before she can finish strangling Lydia, Stalinsky comes in, gun drawn.
2: Maybe she shouldn't have tried to do two things at once.
0: As Ron Swanson once said, never half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing.
2: Words to live by. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Swolenski shoots Jennifer in the leg, but she just heals. He realizes that Jennifer is the slashed-up patient whose file Melissa showed him.
3: Jennifer says maybe she should have started with philosophers, with knowledge and strategy. Healers, warriors, guardians, virgins. The sacrifices increased her power.
2: Not sure why she went with virgins. The others make sense. She started with the classic. It does seem like she should have started with philosophers, with strategy and knowledge to work along with her plan. Jennifer pins Stolinski to the wall and kisses him.
0: Her face turns into the scarred face of the Dirac.
2: Don't you hate it when you're baking out with someone and then you find out they look gross? Like, just ask Jack Nicholson.
3: And
0: many, many other dudes in horror movies.
3: Soon they're gone and Styles is left wondering what happened to his father. The episode ends there.
2: It's interesting that there's an episode that ends with Stalinsky panicking, that Styles has been taken, and then there's this episode that ends with Styles panicking that
0: his father has been taken. Yeah, I feel like this kidnapping is handled a lot better. Yeah. Yes.
1: It's
3: like they rhyme to use a George Lucas quote.: Oh God, yeah, sucks so much.
0: <laughs> so much. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, that's not what rhyme is, buddy.:
3: Nope. All right, Wolfies, now we're going to jump over to our interview with Mieko Hillman, who played Deputy Tara Graham on Teen Wolf. Let's have a listen. Well, how did you get into acting?
1: I knew I wanted to be an actress
3: since I was in first grade.
1: I, I, I did, I did. It was all from playing Wizard of Oz and they, my friends picked me to be uh, Dorothy and we, we didn't, you know, we did a rendition of Wizard of Oz on the playground and I just fell in love with it. And from then on, I knew I wanted to be an actress. And so from like, I would do, uh drama classes in middle school and then high school and then um yeah and then I went to college uh, thought I was gonna I was like oh maybe that was just a dream <laughs> you know <laughs> and I, I was pre-med in college and I was like and then oh was, wow yeah and then I met a guy who was a genius you know and to, we both were going to our um counseling like you go to counseling to um you know to make sure you're taking this uh classes you're supposed to take and everything and he had already we came in together but he had already graduated and was going to john hopkins like school and uh for um for grad school and he was pre-med and i was like see that's a doctor (laughs) That that's a doctor. That's who I'd want my you know, my doctor to be. And I was like, I want to be an actress. <laughs> and then...
3: That's really interesting. You're not 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 the first actor we've had on the show. We when we spoke with Felicia Terrell, she talked about how she was like in finance and yeah. and all, like just a whole other thing. Whole other thing. And then I was like, maybe acting and yeah, discovers love. So I mean that's so interesting how people get into the thing they love. That's that's so wonderful. So and from such an early age my gosh
2: yeah, yeah and i wow. was
1: a dancer as a right.
3: kid too so i was you know always uh-huh. in the entertainment world so yeah that's very cool yeah, yeah that's awesome
0: hey so before we jump into the teen wolf specific stuff i just wanted to say congrats on nickelodeon's young dylan getting renewed for a third season
1: yeah thank you so much it's a very fun show to shoot um i I'm working with some brilliant kids they're amazing I mean they have to you know learn all their lines and then Dylan is a rapper so he does his raps and you know works on his raps and then Selena she's a singer and she sings on the show as well and Jet is amazing too like they're all um, and and Hero is amazing, too. And so they're all wonderful kids that I get to work with. And uh, my co-stars are really fun to work with as well. Carl, um, Anthony Payne, and Loma Wright. So I, I'm having a blast. I'm having a blast.
3: That's fantastic. fantastic. That's awesome. So how did Teen Wolf come into your life?
1: I just auditioned. <laughs> 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 I, 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 you know, I got an audition and I went in and I was just like okay and you know I was surprised um I kind of was surprised because it was for a deputy and I was like really okay <laughs> <laughs> but I did it and I got it and I was like really happy and it was a it was a really fun show to shoot really fun show to shoot yes it was
4: yes it was
2: <laughs> did you know anything about Teen Wolf before you went in um before you got the role or well, like I've heard, like
1: I knew it was on TV. Um, I knew of the movie <laughs> back into the day. So that's that was, you know, how much stories. I knew. Yeah, so, you know, but they, you know, really expanded it into <laughs> like a whole, like a whole world that I wasn't even aware of even existed.
3: So it's really fun. Yes, it's quite different from the movie. So- <laughs> Yes,
1: <laughs> It's, very different
3: but it, it's a pleasant surprise though at least for me when I, I read the pilot i was like this is not at all what i thought it would be and i'm so happy that it's not what i thought it would be so.
1: yeah it's really fun it, uh, like romantic and in its own way and like you know mm-hmm. grueling and it's just really fun show yes yeah
0: what was it like working with directors tim andrew and russell Mulcahy? So
1: Tim, I felt like he was so, um, easygoing. That's what my, um, you know experience with him it was just like easy just talking have a conversation okay so we'll just do that you know it was just very easy
3: going and what about russell
1: but it was a little more intense <laughs> like but i think the day that he directed like i think it was just like it was like explosions going on and everything so it was just <laughs> a little more intense kind of scene so that's yeah so then you know the scenes were intense and so was he so yeah but it was
3: fun yeah Yeah, russell's got a a a big personality that fits in with the big aspects of the show and yeah that's so
1: interesting yes yeah Yeah. you're so right he (laughs) does have a big yeah and exact i'm telling you it was like explosions on (laughs) that day so it's like ah what is happening you know so
2: Uh, did you get any warning about your character's death or was it a shock when you got the (laughs) script
1: it was a shock like no one told me I mean yeah I already knew like you know they it was going to be a four episode thing and but it could have been more like so you just don't know and mm-hmm. so I didn't know. I was just like, you know, reading it. And then so, you know, whenever I get scripts, I get so excited to like, yeah. what am I gonna do? You know? And so when I was reading it, I was like, oh, I started out. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm through out. What? And then and then I die. <laughs> I literally said out loud, I die.
4: <laughs> oh no
1: oh yes mm yes so um but then the creator came up to me the next day and was like hey did you you know i'm sorry but you know (laughs) oh we wrote you a great scene didn't we i was like you did so awesome thank you so much but it was it was it was a shock
3: (laughs) there's a, a but you're in good company though many people die on team sure. wolf so, so many. uh yes.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yes yes and it's it's kind of fun doing a you know dying scene it's mm-hmm.
3: it was
4: fun yeah
3: well especially one where you're like seeing you before mm-hmm. it all happens and all this other so it's like it's it's not just a, a knife in the back or something like it's like right creepy yeah. and moody oh, there's
0: and... a lead in yeah,
4: yeah. So, yes. yeah.
0: a psychological yeah, but...
1: element exactly exactly mm-hmm. i it was it was a lot that that day was so fun. That was a fun day to shoot. Yeah.
2: I was actually going to ask you, what was it like
1: to film such a brutal death scene? So let's see. I was just into it more. I was more worried about holding the gun and looking real (laughs) realistic. (laughs) That part, I mean, I've gone to like shooting range before, you know, and I was like, Mm -hmm. I can, you know, and then, and they, you know, I've read the scene. I was like, I'm going to what? I have to do what? (laughs) And then, so it was actually the the props guy who handed me the gun and he was like, you know, he did the checks and everything like that. And he just saw the fear in my (laughs) eyes of like, I don't know. And then he like literally walked me through like holding a gun, like looking and everything like that. And we practiced it before I did the scene. And I was so grateful for it you know for that like that he took out the time of what he was doing and he just walked me through it and just like held my hand through it so I was I was really happy to see the the end you know the end result and I was just like so thankful for him so
3: great yeah awesome. cool. on
4: screen.
3: yeah it, you look good on screen so like yeah, it, it looks- all looks professional yeah. and yeah, real no, guys, and it
1: does yeah no it was like I love being a badass so (laughs) that was that was probably the fun part I I hated to have to die but like the heart you know one thing about um when I was laying on the ledge that was actually the hardest part because I had to keep my eyes open because they wanted my death with my eyes and they're like you're blinking you're blinking (laughs) it was like freezing out that day and I was like Okay, I you know, I'm sorry I'm a human being. I'm actually alive. So that was probably the hardest part, but I was that day was the best cuz I I love action. I love, you know, I'm a dancer, so I love anything with my body, you know, that I have to do physically with my body and it was just it was it was such a great setup that they wrote. So I was really happy. That's awesome. That's uh-huh. wonderful. Yeah,
2: that's great.
0: Did you have any other like fun stories from set that you remember? Um,
4: let's see. I
0: I know it's been a long time. I know it has been a long time. I just remember, oh,
1: Lyndon, he, when he found out that I died, he just came up to me. He was like, he was so upset. (laughs) He was, he's like, I can't believe they did that to you. And I was just like. I mean, it's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm really alive, but you know, but it, so, like, I felt like I made connections that I didn't even know that I made. Aww. So that was really fun. Even on that day, the crew, they were really upset that I was leaving. And I, that amazed me. Cause I was like, what, you know, cause you know, I didn't, my heart wasn't huge. So I, sometimes you don't know how people are seeing you or, or experiencing you. So that just really touched my heart. Just just the people who were upset that I was going to be leaving. That that was that was I don't know. It was something I didn't expect. So it was nice. Very sweet. Yeah, yeah very it sweet. It was, it was. I was really touched by, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs>
0: I've heard a lot of people say that it was like a family. That that's what it felt Mm -hmm. like. So that kind of,
1: it did feel like that. It it really felt like that because I know they were shooting in Atlanta before because I shot in LA, (laughs) and I I think they really bonded while they were in Atlanta, and um, they it did have a very family, um, kind of feeling.
3: How would you compare the Teen Wolf set to other shows you've done like Days of Our Lives or Young Dylan?
1: Okay, so. With days, um, that also is like a family because, I mean, some of them worked for like 30 years together. So that's yeah. like that's just like, you're in a, yeah. So that that show, it was very fast. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you go in, you do your scene, you're out. And, you know, it's one of those jobs that you're just like, oh, I just had a whole workday and you're just, it's in and out kind of thing. Um, young Dylan, so- we shoot on Tyler Perry Studios and mm-hmm. it's Tyler Perry Young Bill. Yeah. Tyler Perry's Young Dylan. So we shoot 20 episodes in two months.
4: And wow. <laughs> oh my wow. god.
1: So uh, it's pretty intense. Uh, yeah. That's like, like
3: price's right numbers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like how They shoot like five <laughs>
3: episodes in a day and they shoot for three months and you've got like three years of content. It's just like, oh exactly. wow. Yeah.
1: So it's it's intense. So this is what I'm saying. These kids are amazing because they have way more lines than me, and they have to go to school.
0: Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like
1: wow. Yes, yes. So and that young Dylan, like it's a family. Like um, one of our directors, Chip Hurd, who is I don't if do you know Kim Fields from Facts um, of Life. No. Am I aging myself? <laughs> no. I love
4: Max I, life, so she, she's don't a big
1: fan, so played, she, she's got to She played two D.
3: Okay, yeah, I know that character okay, at least. Okay, but. Okay.
1: Um. So anyway, that's her mom. Chip Hurd is her mom, and she's our she Oh wow. Many most of the um, episodes, and she's amazing because she just just makes the environment so nurturing and warm. So it's. I I love it. So it's this this big family that I get to go, you know, spend some time with. That's yeah,
2: That's doing. very cool.
0: Is there an actor or character that you wish you could have shared some screen time with or more screen time with on Teen Wolf?
1: Yes, Lyndon. I wish we got to work more together. Like I wish my character could have expanded and we had more of a you know relationship or something like he was so just wonderful, just a wonderful person and um so I wish I wish we could have shared a little bit more, you know, I wish they expanded our
4: mm-hmm.
1: storyline or something,
2: yeah, yeah, that been
1: really cool to see, yeah, we yeah, get' like,
2: see a lot of his relationship with deputies, yeah, he went through them so quickly <laughs>
4: <laughs> a high
2: survival rate. yeah
0: there's. There was a high <laughs> turnover rate of deputies due to death. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. You also played an officer in the movie Anniversary Nightmare. Right. Do you feel like playing Deputy Tara
1: helped you prepare for that role? Probably just with the just being comfortable, just mm-hmm. knowing like, I could do this, you know, before when I did get the role, I was like, uh, you know, but now <laughs> I think it did make me feel comfortable. Like I can, I could do this. So
0: the, the episode that we just rewatched for the show, which was the one where your character had that death scene is the girl who knew too much. And on IMDB, that episode is rated nine out of 10 stars with over a thousand votes. It's in the top 20 highest rated Teen Wolf episodes and the top four for that season. What about that episode do you think resonated with viewers so much?
1: first of all, that was surprised. That's surprising. I, you know, I don't pay attention to any of that. So that's really surprising. I, um, wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I wish I knew the answer. Cause I was, <laughs> I, you know, I was, I also rewatched it. I was like, what is it? I, I don't, I, I maybe like as an audience, you feel you're in on the mystery mm-hmm. and yeah. part of, solving it and every, you know there's so many different characters so you're just kind you know you're in that unknown of who is it now wait they introduced this person this person and then, and then there's just relationships that happen that you're like oh so I I don't know the answer but I do know that kind of suck me in yeah
4: it
3: is a, a big episode for reveals we get a couple of big where like the the villain is revealed and a character learns kind of like what supernatural creature she is and so there's a lot and then Tara Graham dies right at the beginning and <laughs> yes. uh so there's a lot happening like, in this episode oh we thought That's we were
0: going to keep this deputy for a little while <laughs>
4: <clears throat> yeah
1: I know yeah so there's and I think a lot of the characters get playtime do you know what I'm saying? It's not just mm. centered on one central story; it's right. everywhere. Right. For some reason, I know I tend to like shows when they do that, so I get to know a little bit more about everyone
3: else. So
2: yeah, absolutely too.
3: Yeah, ensembles are fun, you know, because there are so it many is. people and and there are so many different characters or so many different character combinations. And so, like, when you like multiple characters and they're all in scenes together or have storylines together, it's always it's always a lot of fun.
1: It is. It is cuz you get to see certain characters interact with other characters that you're like, "Oh. Huh. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that." So.
2: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned really enjoying filming the dust scene. Was that your
1: favorite scene to film or was there another one? That was my absolute favorite. <laughs> I liked walking in the Fair hall. <laughs> like just, you know, looking I I I like It's weird, I I know I'm an actress, but sometimes I like scenes that I don't have to talk in as much. (laughs) I know for writers, you're probably like, ah, come on, (laughs) it (laughs) That's fun too, but sometimes I just like being able to interact with the environment and just like really respond to what's going on. And because I'm actually really in the moment, because I don't know, you know, I, it's it's more fun for me it's more improv like whereas sometimes when it's so many words I get I can get like where I want it want it to be a certain way and mm-hmm. you know I you know but so when it's without the words it's just I'm just there and like moment to moment so I find those scenes to be really fun and then yeah. when I get to be a
3: badass that's <laughs> awesome <laughs>
0: who
4: does it like that yeah yeah exactly
0: I mean I I think scenes like that that don't have dialogue also kind of draw the viewer in like you were saying about feeling part of the mystery because it's like you're not listening you're not like trying to make sure you catch every word and don't miss anything you're just like in the moment and like what's around the corner and I feel like it really draws the viewer in too
1: yeah it's interesting it's an it's interesting yeah because even when I watch. You know where you know you don't know what's going to happen to the person. You are drawn in. You don't you don't you know wash your dishes at that moment,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? Not You're a like, multitasking moment. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Not
3: at all. Not at <laughs> all. So yes. <laughs> in addition to Teen Wolf, you worked on Fight of the Dead* and *The Nightmare Gallery*. Would you like to do more horror projects in the future?
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I do like horror. I like all all genres really I just have so much fun in doing all kinds of genres I like romantic comedies I like um I like horror because you get to do things that you just don't see in real life and you get to Hmm. be very uh use your imagination and you get to wear cool costumes (laughs) (laughs) yes you know and in. there's something about when you have to dress up or when you have to put on um, certain gear or makeup or anything that that just makes it so much more fun. Like everyone's involved, like everyone, not even just the actors, but even like you can feel the crew. They're just like into it. They're like, oh, that's cool. you know. So <laughs> it just draws um, a, a certain energy. So I, I do like horror films because of that.
3: They are the best, yes.
0: Yeah. Our favorite genre. We're huge horror fans. Ah, I see, I see. This is kind of related to the horror genre. If you could be any Teen Wolf creature, what would you be?
1: Probably a wolf, werewolf, or, you know? Like, I just want to be a badass, just like... (laughs) (laughs) It's It's a
0: classic classic movie monster for a reason. Yep.
1: Yep. You know? It's pretty pretty cool yeah. i think yeah I, I i i but if i were to be a superhero at all i, I want to fly <laughs> whatever i can do to fly
3: Flying's <laughs> a good one that's a good one <laughs>
1: yeah but yes probably werewolf for sure
0: we were I talking think- in a previous interview about how like none of the creatures on teen Wolf fly
3: Mm.
1: right
3: they kind of
1: like jump a little yeah they do yeah
3: they can leap they're like the original superman he didn't fly he (laughs) leapt originally but um yeah so
1: did he really
3: that's yeah that's in like the saw or the the leaps over a tall building and all that is because originally he didn't fly he he just jumped really far.
4: Oh,
0: that! And then, oh. Yeah,
3: and then someone like Jessica was, Jones. Like Jessica Jones, and then someone was like, "Or he flies because that's cooler." And they're like, "Yeah, we should do that." <laughs> so that's yeah. Funny. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I didn't
0: know that. I want to be a werewolf that flies. <laughs> <laughs> a flying werewolf.
3: I, a fly wolf.
0: I am here for it.
1: Yeah,
0: I am <laughs> here for new. that.
3: Something, something new that
1: I haven't seen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that would be fun. Yes, it would. <laughs>
3: well, Mieko, do you have any upcoming projects you can tell us about?
1: Well, I just finished um, Young Dylan. Mm-hmm. So, right now, my project is to hang out with my family and have Aww. some me time. That's a good one. Yes. It's
3: the best one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think with these, you know, these times, I haven't been able to do that. So, that is a project. And I, I say a project because sometimes when I do spend time with my family, I'll be like, I have to do a self-tape. Sorry guys, let me <laughs> let me, you know, go in the room and come back. But now I am literally like blocked out this time. This is family time. I'm not taking any calls or doing anything. So that's what I'm slowly. looking to.
3: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic.
0: Enjoy.
1: Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Enjoy
3: well earned. So
1: yes. yes.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
3: Well, Mieko, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an absolute pleasure.
0: Yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you
1: for inviting me. That was so um, unexpected and wonderfully received.
0: (laughs) All right, Wolfies, that wraps up the beta section for The Girl Who Knew Too Much. And now we're about to dive into spoilers, not just for this episode, but for the whole Teen Wolf series. If you want to stay spoiler free for all of the excellent stories to come, jump out now and we'll catch you next week. But if this isn't your first time in Beacon Hills, and you want to hear more, don't move a muscle. Here comes the alpha. Unbelievable.
4: You have no idea what you are, do you? The wailing woman.
1: A banshee, right before my eyes. You're just like me, Lydia. Look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent under it.
2: surprised they did the drak reveal and the banshee reveal back to back.
4: Yeah.
0: That is really surprising from like a pacing perspective.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I think maybe the banshee should have come in the last episode and just kept it as as an as a as a as a season out type mm-hmm. of thing where it's yeah. like a a truth is revealed and it's like well what happens next because now it's like what happens next we have three episodes left and and we don't really get revelations from it it's like hey you're a thing can't wait till next season when we talk about it some more right you know so it's like yeah
2: i think jennifer should have used it i know she planned to kill lydia here but once she doesn't i think she should have used it as like more of a bargaining chip of like if you let me go, or if you, like, do whatever to help me, I will tell you what you are. Don't you want to know?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would have been fun. I
4: like that.
2: She's like, I'm going to tell you, but it doesn't matter, because I'm going to kill you, too.
0: Which is just your classic, like, I'm going to kill you, Mr. Bond. Yeah, where it's like, since I'm going to kill you, I'm going to tell you my entire plan.
3: I like that idea, that maybe Jennifer was cornered, you know, and she's like, and whatever, like, however, she would be able to escape. She's like, let, "Let me get out of here, and I'll tell you exactly what you are." You know, and that would have been fun because at least then it's it's not this character doing the same thing we see all the time. But instead, you put the you put all the initiative in Lydia's corner, where it's yeah. like she can kind of end this now, or she can learn this thing that's kind of driving her crazy that's Yeah, whole season. Can
0: make a choice, right?
3: Yeah, that would have been Toys that would have been great. Yeah,
0: and they could have still introduced it here if she's like oh my god you have no idea what you are do you right and then Lydia's like no and then she you know Jennifer's like well you'll never know and then gets back to trying to kill her because it's I mean I know that the villain plans to kill the person anyway but it still feels like why did you take the time to do this again
2: if Not good at murder script. whenever, you're just like <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. Just drawing it
0: out. <laughs> yeah, so like I feel like it would have worked so much better if she was like, "Now you'll never know what you are."
2: Yeah,
0: you know, and then it comes back again, or Lydia brings it up again, where she's like, "I want you to tell me what I am," and that Jennifer's like, "Well, that's gonna cost you."
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that that would have been fun.
2: And then like others are like. We don't even know if we can trust her. She's a murderer. Like, right. Yeah, I think it could have been a very interesting dilemma for them, and particularly for Lydia. Yeah. Instead of just mm-hmm. being told right after we found out who the Drock is.
3: Yeah, no, because that would have been great. Because, like, if the Drock's in the wind, then someone could have said to her what no one ever said to Scott, which was if she kills someone, kind of like your fault you know and then so that's the thing like it's like because we know jennifer wants to kill people she's been killing people all season so now it's kind of like this pins and needles thing It's like you know and like now Lydia's kind of losing her mind a little bit more because it's like every time the phone rings or something like that it's like is it a body drop is like have i is this the the fruits of my horrible labor and uh yeah
0: you know what the problem would be with that is it would kind of underscore the fact that They've allowed Peter and Gerard to live. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would. Because then it would kind of be like, I mean, if at least if I were Lydia and Scott was saying to me, you know, if you decide to spare her, then blood will be on your hands. I'd be like, really?
3: It's like really. really? <laughs> you went to
0: see Gerard and like, then you left, and it was that 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 was just the end of that apparently didn't even check to see if he was dead like after your master plan and then when you realized he definitively wasn't what'd you do nothing yeah i feel oh, you know you can't you can't really have a character make that statement when they're already known killers just running around
3: but it would have been good drama unfortunately i mean didn't do that
0: Peter, you could, would probably, you could get past because it'd be like, well, we did actually kill him once. That's true. And the yeah. only way he, and he came back by using Lydia and he could probably do that again and it would just put her through hell. So like, I, I'll i allow that one, yeah. but like yeah, yeah, Gerard, yeah, yeah. come on.
3: No, absolutely. It's like, we killed Peter and then shenanigans.
0: It didn't take.
3: <laughs> <laughs> But But you're right, it's different where it's like, oh, well, in the previous, in, in our previous adventure, the killer- got away and we didn't follow the trail of black blood if we had it would have just taken us to an old folks home and we could have Mm -hmm. just smothered him with a pillow but um yeah no you're right You know. so
0: yeah it's it's one of those things it's like yeah in a perfect world you could have that dilemma Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. can you do that when there are other loose ends that that would really just underscore
4: yeah
3: no, no, you can't. Unfortunately. But but yeah, that would have been fun. That would have been good.
2: Could Dean have just told Lydia at any point in time that she was a banshee? Does Deaton
0: know?
4: Does, yeah. I does, mean,
2: well, I mean, know? he's an emissary, so you would think like, you know, I was thinking she knew because it's like the kind of knowledge like an emissary would know.
0: Oh. I mean, we don't really get any context for why she knows, do we?
3: Well, it, it hasn't. She kind of put it together that 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 she showed up when people were going to die because she says that. Oh wait, no, that was Allison. I guess does she know? I I'm guessing that she knows about Lydia showing up places, um, like where the sacrifices have happened and all that. So she's the woman who leads to death and all that. I,
0: I mean, know. we we all have that information. <laughs> Like, that wouldn't make her more in the know than anybody else.
4: That's
2: yeah. I, I assumed, like, it was kind of... Because emissaries have to, like, seem to have, like, so much knowledge about, like, supernatural across the board. I feel like Dean and Morel would probably already know this, but just haven't told her, which I understand Merle's like, barely, like, involved with them. But it does seem like...
3: Dean should tell her. I don't if think I mean, d 2 is going to I, tell anybody anything.
0: Yeah, he doesn't tell anyone anything. I thought that Jennifer knew because she's like a classics nerd.
2: <laughs> oh, I think like thing.
0: Lydia is also a classics nerd, so I don't know. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, it's established that she reads both classical and archaic Latin. No, does she read ancient Greek? Maybe that's the the real question here. Yeah, know. we we never actually get more context for why Jennifer knows that. Which this has definitely been a season full of like, how did this person know this, or does this person know that? Like, yeah,
4: it's
0: just I think just because there's so much going on, like, season one obviously had the cleanest mystery. Yeah, season two was more complex, and three a is definitely more complex than that, and there were so many plate spinning, so mm-hmm. to speak, yeah, that I feel like a lot of connective tissue ended up on the cutting room floor,
4: yeah, okay. or
0: even before that point, like never filmed, yeah, because there just wasn't time for it. and you know that definitely happened in the earlier seasons too, but it definitely feels to me like 3A is the point where it really stood out Mm -hmm. that characters are having conversations that we are not privy to. Yeah. That are important conversations, right? Because just in this episode, we were talking about how Styles went to his dad and told him about his sacrifices theory. Yeah. Off screen. Yeah. There's also the scene in this very episode where it's revealed that. Aiden knows stuff that happened in season two and we have no idea why yeah there's a lot this season of people just knowing things for reasons that we don't ever get to find out about and I feel like this is just another instance of it yeah so
4: yeah because
3: it it never it doesn't come back up (laughs) you know it's just like I mean they talk about it but they're never how did she know? What is this? And no one ever asked Jennifer
4: again, you know? Right. So. Yeah. It seems
2: like, I know there's a lot going on, but it seems like Lydia would have wanted to try to find out more from her.
0: Yeah. Maybe she does. And it's just off screen. Yeah. But speaking of Deaton withholding information, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's just so funny to me that there's so much of you know, Scott and Stiles being like, wow, Derek is the worst because he won't tell us things. Like, Deaton, Deaton won't tell you guys anything either, and y'all love him for some reason.
3: He's a father figure to Scott.
0: Yeah, okay. Because like a father, he withholds things. Yeah. So since we're talking about father figures, this is the episode where Sheriff Stolinski finds out about the supernatural. Finally! finally this has been seasons oh. in the making
3: yeah i really don't like that scene
0: so actually i guess it's three big reveals
3: yeah there's a Two lot happening audience, in this episode and then
2: one to another character yeah. yeah
3: i just don't care for that scene because it's
0: which scene are we talking about the
3: one where styles tells Stalinsky and or oh, and, okay. and all that um just because i'm like you've got a werewolf there do something werewolfy why are we hemming and ha- I know why we're hemming and hawing. I get it. I understand. But I'm just like, stop that. Stop that. I know what you're building to. You're building towards finally being like, Cora, just show him the thing and she passes out. You know, and it's like, that's why you did this. I got it. But I'm just like, yeah. stop. Don't, don't <laughs> do that. You have incontrovertible proof of something that exists in your hand. Just show the thing and explain it later you know, it's, it's like, the only preamble
0: that you need is don't freak the out.
3: Take could you remove the the clip from your handgun? And then the bullet from the chamber, please. And just set them aside. This is very weird styles. It ain't weird yet. We're getting there, you know, and it's just like, I feel like you could have gotten more drama out of that. Like, I feel like you could have had better. I I just, I, I feel like, in a supernatural show granted Stilinski isn't in there yet you know he's not part of the world yet so his are you kidding me things like I got it I got it okay but I'm just like I would much rather have fear and shock as a reaction than just him going like so the thing is the thing and being like oh no he's the cannibal not the all that nonsense where I'm just like this isn't even funny actually you know, it's just like I'd much rather have a much more grandiose reaction from a character from this instead of just because based on that on that cut, and in in you know, an uncertain amount of time has gone by, probably an hour, at least, the, knowing how styles and how he speaks, you know. So it it it's just just show her bare her claws, have her cut her arm, and then it heals and in, and in, in a thing.
0: I actually think if they wanted to include a bit of humor, what they could have done is have Cora be like, "Oh my god, this is taking yes. too long." And then and then styles be like, "No, no, 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 no." And then she does it.
4: Yeah. You know, yeah. because
0: he wanted there to be more yeah. like context so his dad wouldn't freak out, but Cora's a hail and hails be impatient. Yeah,
3: they don't mm-hmm. understand patience.
0: They so. do not have the time.
3: Yeah, if they can't backflip into exposition, they are going to get pissed.
2: So, what was Scott doing during all of this?
3: He was with Coach and he was going to go. Remember, he was going to go talk oh, he's with like, Morel. With
2: Morel, but that like is like a five minute scene of him and Morel. Like it wasn't like it took up his entire afternoon. And then
0: we don't see him again until
2: the recital, right?
3: Yeah, we don't see him until the recital. I, I feel
0: them. like they needed to take the afternoon they, off. He was I, sleeping. I feel like the implication is that the conversation did last longer. We just didn't see all of it because hmm. it's not like we see Scott leave her office. The scene yeah. just cuts.
3: Yeah, that's true.
0: I think it's
2: weird. That we don't get anyone else talking about Cora in the hospital.
0: Somebody told Derek off screen. Yeah. So, <laughs>
2: did Styles just like call Derek and tell him his sister was in the hospital? What happened he when Derek got have. there? Like, was Derek like, she's a werewolf. I don't understand why she's not healing, or she's a werewolf. We don't need to put her in a hospital.
0: Or uh, she's a werewolf. What if she heals? Then what the hell will we do?
2: Uh, like i just and melissa should be at the hospital we don't get anything with like melissa interacting with styles or
0: well we've already discussed how much we would all kill to have more scenes with melissa and derek
4: so yeah. this could
0: have been a wonderful opportunity for that
4: yeah that would have been more great. scenes.
2: like did we determine they had one
0: well, we, we realized that there was just the one oh. scene because we thought they hadn't ever yeah. had a scene together. And then when we got to the one episode in season two that, that where they were both in the same scene, we were like, oh, we forgot this happened, but we always wanted there to be like more interaction right. between them.
3: Yeah, no, yeah, no, it it, it would have been good.
0: With Stalinsky finding out, I know that they really wanted to get to that beat of mom would have believed me.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
0: And yeah. I do get that because- it's emotional and it's dramatic and it's good. I just feel like the parts of, like you said, of Stalinsky just not believing, mm-hmm. I don't know what the purpose of that was because they were explaining stuff that we as the audience already knew anyway. Yeah,
3: it's right. And there's nothing more boring than explaining something that the audience already knows. Um, so they
0: easily yeah. could have just done the the same scene essentially, but instead of having all the explanation, he starts to explain. And Cora's like, nope, f- that. I'm going to shift. Yeah. But then realizes she can't and collapses.
3: Yeah, that could have done it. Where it's it, at least someone's making a decision and like jumping in. And I think you still could have had that if, if like they were like building towards mom would have believed or whatever. I think you still have a variation of that where, you know, like instead of all the hemming and hawing. It's just Cora does the thing and freaks Stolinsky out and all that, and then you could that could be the end of a scene, and then you have a scene where like Styles is chasing after his dad. He's like, no, no, dad, you don't understand. She's totally cool. It's like, and you know, and Scott, he's like, it's Scott, you know, and all this type of stuff, and then where he's just kind of freaking out, and and then you could have like Stalinsky say something like, you know, I don't understand any of this, and then you could have I think Styles be like, Mom would have understood, or something. I think you could have still had that. And other and expediency, you know, or just characters doing the thing they should do. It is a heartbreaking moment, though.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah, it's really good.
3: So, okay, in season two, episode one, titled Omega, we learn (laughs) that Omegas are lone wolves. They're wolves without packs.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: And was it in Search for a Cure? Yeah, where Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. we talk about like Omega wolves in real life and how they are like the pack bitch. You know, yeah, and that it's, was in and, search for a cure, I think. And we talked about like, we can't do that with human beings, otherwise, they're just all assholes. And it's like, right. we can't have that until this episode, when apparently the twins were in a pack where they were the Omegas and not lone wolves, and they were kind of like the pack bitches. And so, yeah, the Omega mythology is switched up in this episode. I don't feel like this is a retcon so much as i think they wanted to have the twins be outsiders in their pack and they wanted to have a name for it and they're well omega's a thing already that we've used (laughs) and in real life that's kind of what we want to describe them as what do y'all think about that kind of giving this new aspect to omega mythology
0: yeah i think you're right i feel like to your point, well, you you said you didn't feel like it was a retcon per se. I feel like maybe what they were trying to do was say that like being an omega is just the bottom rung of like werewolf society. Yeah, and that can come about either because you reject the pack structure altogether, or in asshole packs, because you're treated like you have no worth. Yeah, in pack society yeah but we really don't get a lot more information about like what this new meaning of omega means for our understanding of werewolf culture
3: so to speak it i don't believe it comes back up ever again that's um, what i was sure. going to ask and I...
0: and why i thought you know that it would be worth potentially discussing in the alpha section does it come up? Ever I don't again?
3: remember ever. I don't. I know we talk. I know omegas come up later, but they're mm-hmm. always like lone wolves. I don't remember okay. omegas being mentioned as just being punching bags, like pack punching bags, and like this is the only time I remember that from the show, and and it kind of surprised me when we were rewatching because I was like, oh wait, what? Because <laughs> that's not yeah. that's not this what we established in the previous season, and then but I remembered you know search for the cure, but it's like. And I, I think Search for Cure is canon. Like, I mean, it doesn't ever get brought up again. You know, it's like even when, right. I think even when, when John Posey shows up on the show, I don't, I could be wrong. I don't remember Scott being like, that guy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, you know, so it's like, I think it, I think it works as canon. I mean, you can take mm-hmm. it out if you want and the story's fine, but, right. So it, it's just like, yeah, we don't really talk about this again.
0: I wonder if you could kind of integrate those two ideas of Mm -hmm. what an omega can be, Mm -hmm. if this is going to seem really random, but I I swear I have a point. You know how there's sort of a whole thing with like serial killers sometimes will like target people that they feel like won't be missed or Mm -hmm. like that people won't look for that kind of taking advantage of someone who's in a vulnerable position Mm -hmm. in society. Maybe it's kind of the same thing with Omegas where it's like you can choose to be a lone wolf or you might end up a lone wolf through circumstances, but it's Uh kind of a vulnerable position to be in. And so there are werewolves, maybe even other creatures that want to have this sort of punching bag, Uh but they figure they can't get away with treating a beta or certainly not another alpha that way. So they just will go try to find Omegas that they can snatch up and abuse because there's no one out there to look for them.
3: Yeah. No, I, I think that totally works. Yeah. I think that this new information can be integrated with that. Fine. Like I, like I said, like it, didn't feel, it doesn't feel like a retcon. And it definitely feels like the way you're laying it out, I think works perfectly and they just go hand in hand.
0: Like to the pack, they wouldn't consider Omegas part of the pack. Like, these are lone wolves that we've picked up for when we need a punching bag. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And obviously, that's only something that, like, shitty packs would do. Obviously, you know, an alpha like Talia Hale wouldn't ever do something like that and would definitely whoop some ass if she knew that that kind of stuff was going on in her territory. Oh, yeah. But there are bad apples Mm -hmm. that will just go scoop up omegas for nefarious purposes yeah and that's what happened to the twins like they were lone wolves that got unlucky yeah i don't necessarily feel like that's how ethan describes it because he talks about them like his pack yeah but i just want to reframe it in a way that fits with what we've already established in this version of werewolf mythology yeah that concludes this week's episode of Return to Beacon Hills. We hope you had as much fun listening as we did talking about all things Teen Wolf. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast, and Tumblr and TikTok at Return to Beacon Hills. If you'd like to ask us questions or offer suggestions for future topics to discuss, you can email us at returntobeaconhills@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Join us here next week when we discuss Season 3, Episode 10, The Overlooked rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast goodness. Five-star reviews get a shout out. Have a great week and we'll see you again soon on Return to Beacon Hills. Dude, it's Beacon Hills.